pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We trust that this week's message is encouraging and full of hope for wherever you are at. We're in the teaching series, series of talks that we've called Braving It, and we're on part three today. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time recapping the last couple of weeks. Because we have a podcast now, I don't need to take up more of your time by going through what I've taught in the last few weeks. And if you're brand new here, this is the first time, first in a series of talks. This will work as a standalone talk, but I also want to encourage you to go back and listen to the other two uh, if, if you fancy. But we're talking about breaking it. And in the middle of what all of us have going on in this life, uh, we all face pressure, worry, stress, fear, anxiety. I will say in week one, I defined anxiety not as um, anxiety disorders, but anxiety is that, that anxious feeling that we all get. Not everybody in this room has been diagnosed with, it, with an anxiety disorder, but we all feel anxious from time to time. So we're talking about how to respond in life to our fear, pressure, worry, stress, anxiety. Are we meant to just sort of brave it? Is that, is, that, is that our human existence, just like tough it out and brave through it? Or is there something we can learn from the heart of Jesus in, in how we're going to learn to trust and follow him as we work through uh, the pressure and the stress that life can bring? And the subtitle for today's message, I'm calling this The Revelation and the Response. And I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Primarily uh, from this series, I've been teaching from a, an amazing translation of the Bible called the Passion Translation. And I'm going to read from that today. But I want to start by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the New King James Version. Here's what it says. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what that means by witnesses, it's not a legal sense, but it's, it's a, an eternal sense. You know, we believe in um, uh, eternity uh, as followers of Jesus. And there are, there are men and women who have gone before us, who have laid down their lives for the cause of Christ, who have fought to teach others and, and to inspire others with the message of Jesus. And in a very spiritual sense, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, other people who have, who have gone on before us, who have paved the way for us to learn today what it means to follow Jesus. So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Hands up if you've heard this Bible verse before. Curious. Hands up if you've never, no, I'm just kidding, if you've never read the Bible before, that's okay. But, um, you know, as a kid, I remember uh, being up in youth group and hearing about the weight and the sin that entangles us. And I'll never forget hearing a, a talk by a youth pastor about this verse where he talked about the weight and sin that entangles us as being like a ball and a chain around our ankle. And he had one on stage with him as a prop. And he was like, you know, I can't, I can't live for Jesus if I've got this weight, this sin attached to my ankle. We have to strip off the weight, the sin that, that's uh, part of our life so that we can run the race for endurance. And I remember, I remember just like every day, like confessing my sin and my weight to God, just like in fear that I didn't want to get left behind. And, and you know what I mean? Um, this weird things that we believe as kids. And as, as I prepared for today, the Bible text here talks about setting aside weights that easily entangle us. And we often lump the two together. We often attach weight with sin, the weight and the sin, but they're very different. Okay? 
Um, this verse says, lay aside every weight and the sin. Two separate things. The weight that we're invited to set aside here in this passage in Hebrews is not the sin that we think is a part of our life or maybe stuff that we used to deal with. It's something very different. And uh, to lay aside the weight in, in the Greek, it's talking about an impediment, an obstruction, an obstacle, a barrier. There are things that serve as obstacles, barriers, obstructions in our life. And you might be here today feeling like everything's fantastic or you just had the crappiest week of your life. And you would confidently say, John, yeah, I actually agree with that. There's a barrier. I feel like there's a barrier between me and God. Does stress, does pressure, does worry, does fear, does anxiety ever feel like a barrier between you and a meaningful relationship with God? Often the weight, we're just we're trying to breathe through it, right? But it serves as such a heavy shackle holding us back from living our life. And the weight side of it is very different from sin. So I'm not focused in Hebrews 12 today on talking about sin. Um, I think there's enough teaching in the world about sin. We don't need to go there today. But I am talking about weight. And I want to ask the question, does the, the worry and the stress and the pressure and the fear and the anxiety that you are currently walking through, does it ever feel like a barrier, an obstruction between you and God? Now, the same verse in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, in, the, in the Passion Translation, it says, As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Interesting here, uh, this modern translation of the original Greek texts uses the word wound instead of the word weight. And what it's actually talking about, it's talking about the kind of wound that feels like an arrow has pierced you. Sometimes when we go through things, it feels like a weight. It feels like an obstruction or it feels like a, a wound. Let go of every wound. The implication here is carrying an arrow tip inside of us. Maybe we've broken off the shaft of that arrow, but that, that tip has pierced us and it's, it's still there and it's still causing internal damage. The weight and the wound. Those things which prevent us from running our race freely. That's what I want to talk about today. Um, a number of years ago, has anybody here ever had a really bad splinter? I actually, it, it's probably four or five years ago, and I went through all my photos and I found, I took a photo of, a, of my finger. Um, and as I was looking at it, I, was, I actually decided against putting it up there. Because somebody would have puked. But I had this splinter in my right hand, in my pinky finger, uh, from working on a project, and, and I couldn't get it out. Like, I tried everything, you know. I did the, you know, heat a sewing needle and just dig away, tweezers, hot car. I tried everything I could, but it was in so deep, I couldn't even touch it. And it was just the worst. I'm gonna get a little bit gross, so if you're queasy, plug your ears. Because it was, it, was, it was weeks that it just festered and, and, and grew. So this mass kind of grew around it. Um, 
And I have to tell the whole story because it's my, it's my analogy for today. Somebody's like, go back to coffee, dude. This is gross. Um, and uh, eventually, I'll be honest, I hated this thing on my finger. It felt like it felt like I had a golf ball attached to my finger. And everything I'm right-handed, everything I did, every time I picked up a pen, every time I picked up a phone, every time I hugged my kids or tickled my sons or my daughter, it, it was right there. I was just like, this nasty reminder. It just wasn't going away. And eventually, as my body tried to push this thing out, one day I just squeezed and the splinter shot straight out of my finger. I know, it's disgusting, but you need to hang in there with me. You're gonna remember this. Shot straight out of my finger, and it was like instantly, I was like, oh, it's gone. Thank you. And I wanted it to be gross because all of us carry the weight and the wound of the things that we're dealing with. And they feel like this internal mass, something inside of us that, man, it's gotta give, something's gotta break. Something's gotta break through. And, and that's what I want to talk about, because in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it looks at this weight or this wound that ensnares us. But last week, as we talked about Jesus' response in the garden, we actually read from this same chapter, but we read verse 2. And if you remember, we said, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross... Do you remember how we talked about Jesus set his eyes on his purpose? His purpose was his life laid down for each one of us. And so he set his eyes on his purpose and, and keeping a, a mind of his purpose gave him the joy to endure the weight and the pressure that he was experiencing. But in context, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, here's what it, we, here's what it reads. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. And when that thing was inside of my pinky finger, it was all I could look at. It was all I could focus on. It impacted every moment of every day as a right-handed, active guy. It was, it was just it was all I could look at. And right now, some of you are here facing enormous pressure, fear, worry, and it's all you're looking at. It's all you're looking at. It's all you're talking about. It's all you're thinking about. It's all you're writing and journaling about. You're consumed. You're staring at it. And as such, you can't see anything else. The key to laying aside our weights and our wounds lies in what we're looking at. The key to setting aside, laying aside the weight and the wound, the things that ensnare us, is to be aware of where we fix our gaze. These weighty and wounded moments in our life, they are important. I don't want to dis, you know, I don't want to tear down the, the fact that some of you are going through incredibly horrible things, even today. They're important. But these weighty and wounded moments, they pale in comparison to the unending mercy and the grace and the unmerited favor and the immense love of our Savior, our Jesus. And if you were to compare the two side by side, I'm sure, even if it took time, we could all confidently say Jesus is greater than anything we're going through. We just have to look to the book. 
We just have to decide where our gaze is going to be fixed. We have to decide what we're looking unto. We have to decide what we're going to believe to be true against all odds, against all circumstance, and set our eyes and the eyes of our hearts and look at on Him. Because the revelation of what Jesus has done, the revelation of who Jesus is, of what He continues to do in us and through us, and our genuine and sincere and honest response to that revelation is what matters most. So you're walking through this and you begin to allow your gaze to look unto Jesus and it begins to reveal to you how good he is and how true he is and how gracious he is and how loving he is and how faithful he is and how consistent he is and how kind he is. And the revelation of that pulls a response out of us. Here's the tricky part. Our weights, our wounds, those things which cause this pressure, cause this worry, cause this fear, anxiety, push against us, they're already revealed to us. We're well aware of what these things are. They've been revealed. And so we already have a revelation of something in our life. We have a revelation of a circumstance that's causing us to question, to fear, to worry, to doubt. And are we just responding to that revelation or are we taking the time to craft a new revelation and to allow Jesus to be revealed to us every day of our lives? Hebrews 12, 2, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares. Let us run with endurance the race, looking unto Jesus. We need to choose moments in our day, every day, multiple times a day to remember to look unto Jesus. Because the key to laying aside our weights and our wounds lies in what you're looking at. What are you looking at? So, these weighty and wounded moments in our lives, they are important. We've established that they pale in comparison to the unending mercy and grace and undeserved favor and tangible, beautiful, immense love that we find in Jesus. In this revelation of what he's done for us, what he's continuing to do in us and through us, and then we respond. Well, what's the best response to the revelation? I want to call it worship. Worship is the only response to the revelation of how amazing Jesus is. When, when we rest in the revealed truth of who Jesus is and, and who he is for us uniquely, it pulls worship out of us. Now, what is worship? When I say worship, you think what? Singing. Somebody said singing. Are we all in agreement? When I say worship, you think singing. When I say worship, you think singing. Worship. Worship. Wrong. 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 Worship is a word that we've attached to like this kind of culture. Like we come to church. That's terrible theology, by the way. We don't go to church. We are church. And then when we get to church, we worship. No, we sing together, which is a form of worship, but it's not exclusively worship. 
I want to look at this because as Jesus reveals himself to us, as we begin to wade through the wrong things we've believed growing up in church, or maybe that we've never heard his story before, and we're confronted with the truth that Jesus is incredible, and that he loves me, and that he's got good things in store for me, and that with him, I can overcome, and with him, I can, I can push through the barriers and the obstacles and the worry and the stress and the fear, and I can learn how to respond to the revelation of how incredible Jesus is. This is worship, worship defined. To worship is to revere, to reverence, to venerate, to pay homage to, to honor, to adore, to praise, to pray to, to bow down before, to glorify, exalt, extol, be devoted to, dote on, love, hold dear, cherish, treasure, admire, esteem, adulate, idolize, deify, hero worship, lionize, have a regard for, hold in high regard for, hold in esteem, hold in awe, look up to, be wild about, and put on a pedestal. To worship. Did you get all that? Do you say, if you are taking notes, you want me to say that again? Because I don't think I can. I barely got through it. Here's another thought. Worship is whatever you assign worth to. And the truth is, many of us assign more worth and more value to the terrible things pushing at us than we do to our Savior King. Because they're noisy and because they've been revealed to us. And so we don't have the capacity or the energy or or just we don't remember to assign worth to Jesus. Because worship can be the first moments of every morning that you set aside to pray looking unto Jesus. Worship can be a daily habit of finding some quiet time to read your Bible looking unto Jesus. Worship can be a regular conversation with a mentor or a peer who lovingly and boldly reminds you of what's true. Looking unto Jesus. Worship can be prioritizing this, gathering together with other people that share our values and share our love for God. Because you know we're going to have moments in this space that help you feel His worth. It's a way that you can look unto Jesus. Worship can be filling in the gaps of your day. This is my favorite. How do you fill in the gaps of your day? Or what are gaps? Driving in your car somewhere. Doing dishes. Getting ready in the morning. Getting ready at night. How do you fill in the gaps of your day? And have you ever considered those gaps could be powerful moments of worship for you? Because in those gaps you might... You might just take time to pray. You might put on a podcast and, and hear something that reminds you of what's true. You might put on some some quote-unquote worship music. There is a whole genre of music in our world called worship music. You can put on some, some music that inspires you and encourages you and refreshes you as you fill in the gaps, looking unto Jesus. The revelation of our weights and our wounds poses as having significant worth in our life. It's a poser. We live in this reality of the revealed truth of the things we're working through, the pressure, the weight, the stress. And we often just lean into that revelation and we just try and brave through it. But maybe we have to set that aside and allow the revelation of Jesus as we learn to respond with worship to lead us to a right place. Here's a true statement. Finding peace as we rest in Jesus is less about braving the pressure 
stress, worry, fear, anxiety. It's less about braving it and more about abiding in the worth of Jesus as we remember to worship him. Do you attach any worth in your day to the truth and the revelation of who Jesus is and then pull the response out of you that we call worship? The key to laying aside our weights and wounds lies in what we're looking at. And again, as we close out today, these weighty and wounded moments in our lives, they're important, they're real, but they actually pale in comparison to the unending mercy and the grace and the unmerited favor and the incredible love that we find in Jesus. So how do you facilitate the revelation of what he's done for you, what he's continuing to do in you and through you? How do you facilitate that? Is worship our genuine and sincere and honest and heartfelt response? Not just on Sunday mornings when our, when our tank is empty, but each and every day. A pastor friend of mine in Calgary just went through this exercise with his his uh, family is the local church that he helps lead there. And as a church, they committed to what they call calling first 15. And they take 15 minutes every morning, five minutes to read the Bible, five minutes to pray, and five minutes to think about what they're grateful for. I thought, man, what a great exercise. First 15. Five minutes to read your Bible. Five minutes. Don't I have to read for like an hour? That's why I don't do it. No, you don't have to read for an hour. Right? I can spend 30 seconds with one of my kids and they're going to get a real sense of how I love them and value them. You can spend 30 seconds or five minutes with God's words. Five minutes and find intrinsic value of who you are and who Jesus has invited you to be. So maybe this week as you're learning this, you know, I talked about filling in the gaps. I talked about gathering here on Sundays. I talked about taking time to pray. I talked about taking time to read your Bible. But maybe for you, it's as simple as starting something like First 15. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet you if I did, there'd be a majority of us that said, yeah, I, I could, even if it's just four out of seven days this week, I could get up 15 minutes earlier, take five minutes to read my Bible, five minutes to pray, five minutes to think about what I'm grateful for. And then dive in. And what if all the other things faded away as you made room for the revelation of Jesus to pull that kind of response out of you? That's my challenge today. That's my question. In this third and final talk, the key to laying aside our weights and wounds lies in what we're looking at. So are you just giving all your gaze to the pressure, worry, fear, stress, anxiety? Acknowledge that it's real. Are you giving all your attention there? Or are you choosing to allow your gaze to look unto Jesus as a response? Because finding peace as we rest in Jesus is less about braving it and more about abiding in the worth of Jesus as we remember to worship Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. It's incredible to me that I don't have to have any doubt in my adult male life that you love me and that you made a way for me to know you and that you provided Jesus as my mediator. I don't even have to question that. What I do have to be mindful of is, is what I'm looking at each and every day. And am I allowing my heart and my imagination and my thoughts, my gaze to be entirely just focused on my stuff, the things I'm going through, the things I'm feeling, 
things I'm experiencing, the pressure, the weight, the stress, the worry, the anxiety, the fear? Or am I allowing the revelation of how good you are to pull a response of worship out of me? Worship as a lifestyle. Worship as a habit. Worship that I put my gaze on you. I give my attention to you. I put you on a pedestal above all else. I elevate you before everything else. I assign the greatest worth to you and you alone. God, we invite you in this space today to help us see a snapshot of, of the week we've come through and, and the week ahead. And just with courage and with faith, begin to carve out regular time to connect with you in this response called worship. Jesus, we love you. You are the one that our hearts adore. All of our affection, all of our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Give us an ongoing, increased, revealed sense of who you are, Jesus, at work in our lives as very real people. Because that's what you desire. And so that'll be our choice this week as we learn and grow together. God, thank you.